Good evening again. You know, we had a great week this past week. My uh, son Nathan and his lovely wife, Chantel, and their little boy, who's my grandson, Grant, all living with us right now, because they're in the process of moving and finding another place to live. And uh, so they've come back. It's called the Baby Boomerang. Um, it's pretty fun. And, and, and some of you have adult kids living with you. It's, it, what's really fun is Grant. Grant's there. He wakes up. You know, we get that snuggle time. And uh, he's like, he's, he's a pretty relentless little guy. Um, let me tell you, we started this tradition of making pancakes. I just did it once. I, you know, saw this pancake mix on Shark Tank. And I don't know if you guys watch that, but anything that they do, I'm interested in. And so I saw it at Costco. I buy it. The teller, you know, checker kind of knew that I saw it on Shark Tank because I guess everybody who was buying it did. And, and so I was busted. But I couldn't <laughs> wait to try it out. So I made it. It was so delicious. And so little Grant, you know, he's two years old. He wakes up every morning now, every morning. And he wakes up at 6 a.m. You know, and I don't wake up at 6 a.m. And so I mosey down around 6.30. I get my coffee, and I'm drinking my coffee. And, you know, he's just, you know, we, we've taught him enough to let Papa have his coffee first. And then he'll just come, and he'll just pull on my shirt tail until I make him pancakes. And he has a chant. It goes like this. Make cakes, make cakes, make cakes. And so we make cakes together every morning and blueberries on top and the whole thing. And one morning I didn't get up on time and I was still sleeping and I heard from downstairs, Papa, cakes, make cakes. You know, he just wouldn't relent. And I love it because there's, there's a good relentlessness, right? And that's the good kind. And then there's the bad kind. We're not going to talk so much about the bad kind tonight, but it's those relentless problems, those relentless stresses those things that just won't stop. God's love is relentless. And I want to talk a little more about his love tonight and just how it just never quits. I was thinking about that jet that was missing. I don't, I don't know if you guys have followed that story at all, but it's like perplexing, mysterious. It's sad. It's like, what happened there? There's the, you know, the jet six weeks ago that left from Malaysia and uh, is traveling to go to Beijing, 239 people aboard, and it just like went off the radar. They lost all radio contact. It just disappeared, and they've been looking for it, they meaning the whole world. I mean, multiple countries have come together and dedicated funds and looking at satellite photos, looking for debris in the ocean. Every time they find some, they go and they just find out it's like trash. There's been no evidence yet. And, uh, and so these ships and planes and, and rescue searchers, everybody out looking for this plane of these 20, or 239 people. The latest, of course, is they had this, this device that you pull behind a ship and it listens for pings that come off of the black box that records all of the information, the radio transmissions and so forth from the plane. So they're looking for the black box. And Recently, they, they submerged the submarine. I'll show you that in case you haven't seen it, the, the Bluefin 21 uh, that now can go down 15,000 feet in the Indian Ocean and just kind of charting out the ocean looking, looking for uh, anything that would be uh, 
evidence of this plane, this missing plane. And it's the most expensive search, the most extensive search in aviation history. It's global in nature. I mean, if, if it was one of your loved ones, if it was one of my loved ones, I mean, there would be no cost that would be too much. No search that would be too intense, right? And that's exactly how God felt when he looked out at us, seeing that we were flying off course with our lives, that we were missing persons, living outside his family. And he wasn't content to leave it that way. And so he spent the most anyone could ever do. He gave his only son in that effort of search and rescue. Easter celebrates the resurrection of Jesus from the dead and the completion of God's mission on this earth to find us and save us and, and, and call us back into a friendship with him. In Luke chapter 15, there's this wonderful uh, trilogy of stories. There's three parables that are right there. And each one of them describes something that was lost that became found. There was a search that went on. There was a lost coin, a lost sheep, and a lost son. And in each one of these parables, there was this, this waiting. There was this searching. And, of course, this great celebration that happened when that which was lost was found. And I, I want to go through the prodigal son story here today, Easter 2014. And the prodigal son story is the lost son, but it's really a story more about the father than it is about the son. And by the way, there are two sons, not just one in the story. The story is found in Luke 15. Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all of his belongings and he moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. Now keep in mind, this younger son was an adult. I mean, he was a fully-fledged adult. He probably had never grown up emotionally. He was, had a temper. He's overconfident, a little bit arrogant. He had issues with his dad. And keep in mind, his father was not abusive. His father was not elusive wasn't distant emotionally. His father was altogether there and engaged. But for whatever reason, this young man just didn't like his dad anymore. He wanted no part of him. Matter of fact, in the text, when it says he wanted his share of the inheritance before his father died, another way of actually wording that is, I wish you were dead so I could just take what's mine, what will be mine, and go out and make my own way. It was the deepest form of shame and the deepest form of an insult to give from a, father to, from a son to a father. And the dad does something completely unexpected. He gives him his share of the inheritance. He just cashes in and gives it all to him, knowing that he'll probably misuse it. it reminds me of God. 
because the Father is, represents God. And has he ever given you something because you wanted it? And then once you got it, you found out it wasn't as great as you thought it would be? I've had that happen, where you kind of demand something, you want something, you feel you deserve something, and then you get it, and you're like, man, it's not half of what I thought it was. Maybe you, you think, man, if I just move, if I just move out of this little bodunk town, Spokane, and go somewhere else, then my life will be rich and full, and then you find out it's not as great as you thought. Or maybe it's that car you wanted, that truck you wanted, and you get it, and then you have this big payment. You're, you're going, man, this, it's not everything I thought it would be. It starts breaking down on you. For some people, it's getting married. Man, if I just get married, then my life will be complete. And you get married, and you look over, and you go, oh, maybe, maybe that's not what's going to do it for me. See, living outside of God's will and just trying to do what you think will make you happy most of the time backfires. It backfires on us. This younger son runs to this distant land. We don't know exactly where it was or how far it was, but it was as far away from dad as he could get. And there he wastes his time. He wastes his money. He wastes his talent. He's just going from fun fix to fun fix, you know, just doing whatever he can. Every day is 420 for him, you know. Every day is a great day to party, you know. Then when his money runs out, his friends disappear all of a sudden. Ever have that happen? The economy collapses out of the blue. And now there's a full-scale famine going on. There's a, a national recession, as it were. And the guy hits, he hits bottom, but his pride gets in the way. He knows he should go back home to his father. He knows he should go and make, an amend, make amends. But because he's so proud, he just stays there. He stays there, and he's filled with shame, and he's filled with guilt. He just doesn't think it'll work out if he goes home. And so he gets this job he hates, feeding pigs. That doesn't sound very fun to me. I don't know about you, but um, he does that, and he's starving because any amount of money he makes goes to paying his rent and paying off his debts. He's sitting there starving, watching the pigs pretty good. Eat the slop, and he's thinking, man, with a little bit of salt and pepper, I could, I could see myself eating that for dinner tonight. And then, and then he catches himself. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father, and I will say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me as a hired servant. And so he returns home to his father. Have you ever exchanged the presence of your heavenly father for the promises of, of this world? Have you ever done? I've done that. Where you listen to the promises of this world and you leave the presence of your father in heaven. The, the worldly promises say, you know, go prove yourself. Go make your own way. Prove that you're worth something. Make a lot of money so you can show other people how successful you are. Earn your parents' approval. Earn God's love. Prove that you don't need anything from anybody. Prove that you don't have to live up to anything by just doing whatever feels good. And see, the world makes these promises 
and that if we do that, we'll be happy, we'll be fulfilled, we'll, we'll get everything we can out of this life. And what happens is we end up hurt and disappointed and lonely. And at some point, we wonder, maybe God has some answers. Isaiah said it like this. He said, we're all like sheep who've wandered off and gotten lost. We've all done our own thing and gone our own way. See, most of us in the room could probably tell a story or two of a time that we left the presence of God. We left the love of God. We left the Father's invitation to be with Him to go and kind of chart out our own way. And we ended up with hurt relationships and we ended up lonely. Ryan Eden's um, here in our church, a friend of mine and somebody that many of you know uh, was willing to share this very honest, heartfelt part of his story. Let's watch it together. My name is Ryan. Uh, my wife is Olga. We have two kids, Kaya and Jackson. Kaya's two and a half. Jackson's nine weeks old. I, uh, here at the church, I, I play the bass and I do sound. I'm also a part of working with the Monocles Homeless Shelter on the board of directors there. I work at Fairchild. I'm a structural mechanic, so anything that's on the plane that's metal, I work on. So the events that led up to me running away, uh, when, I was, when I was 19, I married Olga. Within four years, we were hit in turmoil and we ended up getting divorced. Through that, I had lost pretty much everything. I had to sell my house, I lost my truck, I was living with some friends in the basement. About the only thing I had left was, honestly, my dog. The life that I had looked very dark, very alone. I didn't have much of anything. One of my lowest moments was on a Sunday morning, I woke up with a bottle of whiskey in my hands. And all I wanted to do was continue to drink. With everything that I'd grown up with, I was turning into what I didn't want to turn into. I had a problem looking at myself in the mirror without feeling shame for, for the things that I've done in life and the things that had led up to and even after my divorce. My view of God when I was in that dark state, I still knew that he was there, but deep down I couldn't, I couldn't face him. Uh, I held a lot of blame for a lot of things for a lot of other people. I knew that he never left, but I was finally able to feel that he never left. That all the shame that I was holding on myself, he didn't hold that over me. From the point of time that I uh, came back uh, to God till now, uh, I've been on a quite an amazing journey. <clears throat> I was able to, after three years, uh, reunite with my wife, and we got married again, and um, have had two beautiful kids. He, he forgave me for everything that I had done, and all the resentment, and all the anger, and all the frustrations that I was holding against not only him, but everybody. He just wiped it away. A great story. Saddens me, though, when I think of people who have not, not had a relationship with God, or maybe they 
had some kind of a relationship at one point and drifted away and feel like they can't come back because you can. No matter how far you feel you've drifted or no matter how far you feel you, you're away from God, God wants you to come home because he's in the business of resurrection. He takes dead things and makes them alive again. Those dreams that have died, those hopes that have been crushed, those relationships that have been fractured. I mean, Ryan and Olga are such a powerful example of how God can heal and mend and restore and renew. The prodigal son didn't think he was worthy to come back to his father. But things got bad enough, and he ended up coming back. And I wonder what the father's response is going to be. Let's see it together. While he was still a long way off, he's headed home. His father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him and kissed him. And his son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. The father ignored him and said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring on his finger and sandals for his feet. Kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast, for this son of mine was dead, and now he's returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. God saw. God loved. God ran. God forgave. And God celebrated. I love that. The relentless love of God, our perfect heavenly Father. He didn't make him grovel. He didn't make him pay him back. He didn't make him do anything. He didn't make him give a long speech. He just went and embraced him and kissed him and ran to where he was and welcomed him home. He said, get new clothes for my son. Put a ring, the family ring, back on his finger. Wash the dirt off his feet. Let's celebrate. My son who was dead is now alive. He was lost, now he is found. God is in the resurrection business. He loves to make dead things alive again. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 2, but God is so rich in mercy and he loves us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life And when he raised Christ from the dead. He gives us life. He wants to breathe life into you this Easter. God wants you to know that even if you've screwed up, even if you've hurt people, even if you've gone your own way, even if you've rebelled against him, God says, I'm your heavenly father and I love you. And I will never give up on you. And I love you with an everlasting love. Come back to me. Let me forgive you. Let me restore your life. I have a purpose and a plan for you that's so much bigger than the one you have for yourself. Quit rehearsing what you have to say or do. If you'll just turn to me and come back, be humble, be honest, I'll take you back. No questions asked. God's love is relentless and he'll never quit on you. As soon as you turn to him, he will run to you.
but you got to turn. I want that. I want that in my life, that relationship. And you can have that tonight by just trusting in Jesus Christ, what he's done on the cross, God's one and only son, the one who came to seek and to save that which was lost. 1 Corinthians 5 says this means that anyone, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. Dead and now alive. Lost and now found. See, that can be you. Will you come home to God this Easter? Now, check this out. The father throws this party. I love this part. He throws this party for his wayward son. I mean, this expensive party, instead of making him pay his debt off, he like kills the fatted calf, fires up the Traeger barbecue, and they start grilling ribs and drinking imported beer. You know, they're, they're, they're having a party. I mean, it's a big day. The one who was gone and out of the family has returned. Do you know about the celebration of God? A lot of people don't know God as a God who celebrates, a God who enjoys, a God who has joy. So many people think of God as this distant, cosmic killjoy that just wants to rip you off of all your fun in life. You see, nothing is further from the truth because God understands what real fun is. We don't. We go around trying to find things that are fun and they end up hurting us. See, real fun is a unified family. Real fun are having friends that don't manipulate you. Real fun is laughing in church. Real fun is doing what God's made you to do with your life and your calling. Real fun is faith, walking an adventure-filled life where you walk in faith each day. Life's not boring. It's not dull. And God wants to teach us how to have fun in a way that builds our life up and we enter into this God celebration every single day. Celebration. Wouldn't it be great if the story just ended there at that big party? Everybody just celebrating over this new life. But the story's not over because the party's going on, but out in the field, older brother is there. He's the responsible one. He's the hard worker. He's the one who does the right thing. He's the moral one. He's the churchgoer. He's the person who has made the hard choices. He said no to himself when other people had said, do whatever you want. And he's out in the field working. And when he returns home, he hears music and dancing in the house. And you can kind of feel it, right? He's going to get uptight over that. And he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fatted calf. We're celebrating because of his safe return. Well, the older brother, what's his response? The older brother was angry, it says, and would not go in. Couldn't believe it. Loser brother's back. Wasted all of dad's money. I've been here working my buns off, out in the field, carrying the responsibility, being the faithful one, 
and he comes back and gets this cheap, easy grace and forgiveness and a party? Come on. Look at what the father does for the older son. His father came out, leaves the party, comes out to where he's at. He's, he's, he's critical. He's angry. He's, he's mad. He's judgmental. And he comes out. God, in this picture, in this story, comes out and pleads with him to come in. But the old, older brother says, all these years I've slaved for you. All these years, you've never once done anything like that for me. I've never refused to do a single thing you've asked me to do. Yet this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes and you celebrate by killing the fatted calf. This elder son missed the whole point, just didn't understand who the father was. There are a lot of people who go to church who don't understand the heart of the father. There are a lot of people who come and think God is this harsh taskmaster with this long list of rules for you to try and measure up to. That you've got to earn his love. That you've got to keep people happy. That you've got to always toe the line, always be responsible, always do the right thing. And it just gets exhausting because you don't know how to live in grace. You haven't learned that God is a God of grace. He wants to empower you to live a life of celebration, to live a life under the canopy of his love and his grace that's unconditional, that you cannot earn. You can never be good enough to measure up to it. But we just are loved. It's, not, it's something you have to receive. It's something you have to experience. It's something you have to celebrate. God wants you to know that love. Reminds me of another story. Um, the father said to him this in verse 31. The father said, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me. Everything I have is yours. We have, we have to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. See, God's love. He just wants you to learn to live in the canopy of his grace and celebrate with others. Celebrate. God is throwing a party around the world because every single time one person turns to him, the scripture says angels in heaven rejoice. God is building a kingdom, a kingdom that's based on his love and a kingdom that is where he's the Lord, he's the leader. And where we respect each other, love each other, and where we serve one another. Dead and now alive. The relentless love of a father. Um, some of you may know Noel Campbell. Noel Campbell uh, is Lena Whitworth's dad, friend of mine. He's in his 80s. And when he was 39, his wife died, left him with six kids, little from 3 to 13. And so he raised... All six of those kids is a single dad. And uh, when his youngest son, Reg, was in junior high, uh, Reg started to kind of pull away from him and became very distant, would just go upstairs and sit in his room. And so Noel was praying, what do I do, God, as a father? Well, how do I reach my son? And so God gave him this kind of wisdom, and 
he decided every day after work he would come home and go directly upstairs and just sit in Reg's room. So he would sit there. He wouldn't read. He wouldn't watch TV. He wouldn't, he'd just sit there while Reg would either read or do homework or listen to music. And, and, and Noel would just sit there for about an hour. And he said, I just want him to know that he's the most important thing to me. And then after an hour, he'd get up and he'd go downstairs and he'd make dinner for his family. He did this for several weeks. Well, one day he came home after several weeks of doing this and he forgot to go up right away. And he got busy doing something else and pretty soon he heard from upstairs, Dad, come up here. Sit in my room with me. And he knew that when he heard that, that he had won his son back. Reminds me of the heart of God. That God waits on us. God is patient with us. God wants to have that relationship with us. He won't force it on you. It's a decision of faith. It's a choice. That you place your faith in Christ and you say, Lord, I I don't want to live alone without you. I don't want to live just trying to make myself happy. I want to live in the celebration and in the canopy of your grace every single day. Some of us relate quite well to the older brother or the older daughter, the one who's more responsible, but the one who may be in church but not have really experienced the life of God. Shana Cochran grew up in and around church as a kid, and she has a great story that I thought many of us could relate to. She's allowed us to share it with you, so let's watch it. My name is Shana and I am a stay-at-home mom, and I'm married to uh, my high school sweetheart, and I have two amazing boys, a three-and-a-half-year-old and a one-and-a-half-year-old. And And, um, we just moved to the area recently, and we're originally from Olympia. My husband is Dylan Cochran, and he is the new worship director here at Life Center North. My dad worked and my mom stayed at home with us. And uh, we did a lot of um, church things. We were always involved in church and grew up in church. And it was just very important to my family. My relationship with the Lord was um, not so great growing up, but um, it was just always something that was a part of our family and what we did. When I would see other people in the church, just really loving and being loved by the Lord. I just never felt that, you know, that He was that close to me. When when they were being blessed, the way that it touched me the most or would upset me the most is when they were being joyful and that they would have hope and peace in their life. And that's just something that I never felt growing up. My heart wasn't there. I, I just felt very alone. Um, I felt that I would never be able to have that close, intimate relationship with the Lord. I just chose, you know, to, to just, like I said, just be distant, and um, and it really hurt a lot of people. So the relationship between the Lord and I, as you know, father daughter, it just really wasn't there. And to me, I saw him more as, you know, this God way out there 
it's, I never really had that, you know, father-daughter relationship. The reason that I have joy and love and peace in my life now is um, because I just kind of let it all go. I like, I allowed myself to feel love and to be loved by the Lord. God loves to take people, to take you, to take me, no matter where we are, whether we're really far away in a distant land and we've kind of gone our own way and done our own thing, or whether we're really close, we're really nearby, we're, we're around Christianity, we're around church, we're around God, we're around the people of God, but we, don't, we just haven't experienced that joy, that love, that peace, that intimacy of relationship with Christ that he wants for us. And this Easter, God is waiting and wanting, wanting every single one of us to experience the relationship that he came to this earth to give us, that it not be in vain, that his death would not be in vain, that his resurrection is real. He is alive. He's not just a religious figure. God is alive, and he invites you and me into a relationship with him of unconditional love, where all we have to do is just acknowledge our need for him and turn to him and let him wash away the sin that's in our life and wash away the loneliness and wash away the guilt and the shame and just to begin a process of pouring in hope, pouring in love, pouring in restoration of things that you can't restore on your own. It will take a miracle. And yet God is a miracle-working God. I love this passage in Ephesians. It says, now we can come fearlessly right into God's presence, assured of his glad welcome when we come with Christ and trust in him. You don't have to live in a distant place. You don't have to live any longer in that place where you're just going through the motions, let him love you today. Would you bow your head with me as we pray? What some of us need to do is what the prodigal son did, which is he came to his senses, meaning he got real, he got honest, he became humble. And he turned back to his father. And if that's you, I'm simply just going to lead you in a prayer and invite you to pray it with me. Lord Jesus, I accept you. I place my trust in you, the full weight of my life in your hands. Lord, I don't feel worthy but Lord, would you forgive me? By your grace, cleanse me. And I'm just coming back to you right now. I'm just coming to you. And I'm wanting to live a God life. I'm wanting to live in the grace. I'm wanting to understand and experience the intimacy of knowing you, walking with you, not as a religion, but as a relationship. 
And I'm inviting you into my life right now in this moment, God. Please do that in me. Just in this quiet moment, if that was you, would you just lift your hand to God just so that I can see it? I'd like to see it just so that I know that you prayed it. Amen. Good. Good. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yes, Lord, would you just fill each one of these, Lord, with a fresh found love, a fresh found experience of forgiveness where they just leave feeling completely renewed and different. And Lord, there are others of us here um, that we're just so close, we're by it all the time, but our heart is far away. And I'd like to pray for you. If you're ready to let go of the bitterness and let go of the the comparativeness and the judgmentalism and the always trying to measure up. If you just let go of that in this moment and just let God love you and teach you what it means to be a child who lives under his grace and where you can make mistakes and you don't always have to carry the heavy load of responsibility and you can, you can just live and learn what it is to to be filled with joy and enter into God's celebration. He's throwing a party and he invites you to it, but you've got to come inside. If that's you, I want to pray for you and ask that you pray with me. God, forgive me, Lord. I need mercy just like everyone else, probably more of it. Lord, would you fill me right now with your grace and forgive me and teach me now how to live a new kind of life that's under your grace and empowered by your spirit where I'm okay to make some mistakes and I'm okay, God, just to, just to enjoy when other people are being blessed and not be jealous. God, just to experience that God celebration and that kind of life and walk with you every day. Lord, I want that. I need that. And I'm entering into that by faith right now. When I leave this place, Lord, I want to be on a new journey, a new trajectory. And so I thank you for that. Lord, we thank you for resurrection. We thank you for bringing things that were dead alive and for filling our hearts with hope. And we give you glory and honor tonight. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. If tonight you prayed that prayer i would love to hear from you and on the tear off tab you can uh, still fill that out there's a box saying yes to god or renewing a commitment and you can drop it in the box on the way out that's on the wall there also if you need prayer feel free to come to the front there'll be some people to pray with you and if you need a bible there's bibles free bibles at the uh, information counter for you would you stand with me right now we want to thank you so much for coming today on easter have a wonderful evening tonight. You're released.